Amen. First Peter. Very first verse says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatea, Cappadocia. Hey, I just want you all to know, I've got a great app called the Blue Letter Bible. And when you don't know how to pronounce something, you can hit on the interlinear side. And it has this little uh, speaker. You can hit it. And I've always said Galatia and Cappadocia. But uh, I learned that I was always pronouncing it wrong. So, Cappadocia. There you go. Asia, Bithynia. It says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Peter. Starts with Peter. Pedro. Not Pedro, but Ped, Ped, Pedro. <laughs> Some of y'all who know Spanish got a little bit of that. Peter. Now, it's, this is the thing about Peter. Peter was the one person mentioned more than anybody else except Jesus. Isn't that right? They say the squeaking wheel gets the most oil. <laughs> mentioned more than everybody else except Jesus. I mean, to think of Peter... Uh, Jesus spoke to Peter more than any, any other individual. To, to think of Peter, Peter rebu Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple. Right? Peter was the only disciple who dared to rebuke Jesus. Peter confessed Jesus more boldly and accurately than any other disciple. Peter denied Jesus more forcefully and publicly than any other disciple. Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple. Jesus addressed Peter as Satan alone in front of all of his, his disciples. Peter. You know what I love about this is that when you think of, of the day and time in history, back then young men would go and sit under a rabbi. And really they had... To get that privilege, they actually had to do well in their schooling, and they had to do well in their processes, and then they would uh, go after a rabbi, and, the, and, and they would find one who would accept them uh, into his rankings, and then they would learn from that person. But these guys, these 12 raggedy guys, probably wasn't in that group of people, because the ones who didn't follow and sit under a rabbi was those who went out and followed in their father's footsteps into whatever job that would be, like a fisherman or what have you. So here these guys are that, unchosen, if you will, by a rabbi, chosen by God. I don't know, maybe you feel like you're a Peter. <laughs> maybe you feel like you've been one who has been rebuked by God a lot. <laughs> maybe you feel like you're you know, been called Satan a few times. <laughs> Maybe you feel like you're an outcast, not you haven't uh, arrived or achieved or uh, made any uh, great accomplishments or goals in your life, but yet here Jesus chose Peter. And Peter is writing this letter to, it says the word pilgrims. The word pilgrims literally means sojourner or, or one who doesn't... Uh, not a non-citizen or one who doesn't have land. It's kind of like us. I mean, how many understand that we're just sojourners, right? We're a, a, the, the Word of God tells us that we're in the world but not of the world, right? So we, we're here, but we have a, a home in glory, right? We have a different address that we're looking forward to. And, and in reality, as Peter is talking about uh, in this whole process of First and Second Peter, he's preparing them to understand that Jesus is coming back, and we need to be prepared for that coming uh, back. And, and we are all sojourners, if you will, in, in this world. And, and, and it addresses them as pilgrims of the dispersion. Now, the, the word dispersion is the diaspora, which is it's funny because we recognize that Peter's actually talking to Gentiles, but yet he... Uh, gives them a description like Jews. And, and we recognize that in the dispersion, 
of the Jews was in the Babylonian when they conquered Israel and they dispersed the Jews all over the place. And so here's Peter using these same terminologies, talking to the Gentiles, and they were dispersed through these various places, which is today modern-day Turkey. And, but this word is for every one of us. Say, every one of us. Every one of us. <laughs> this word. So it goes in and says, to the elect. Now, someone say, elect. Is it all right me come down here? I'm going to walk around a little bit. The elect. I know they put this thing lower for me to stand up there, but I apologize. Just, it ain't happening today. <laughs> the word elect also means chosen. And, and to recognize that he's writing to those who have been chosen by God. And it goes on and says, by God's foreknowledge. It's unique how the the scripture here in verse 2 puts together, although we don't see the doctrine of the Trinity, we see the Trinity very clear in this passage that we are saved by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so he, according to the foreknowledge of the Father, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, I think I, I, think I gave that to you guys. If I didn't, there we go. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and without blame before him in love. Isn't that powerful? You've been chosen. Now, there are different ones who grapple the scripture because they say, well, if we've been chosen, we're elect before the foundations of the world, then what does it matter that we evangelize or whatever way because God already has ordained who he is going to elect if, you know what I'm saying? But think about it this way. I mean, chosen, we're chosen by God. We are the elect based on God's foreknowledge. And, and so therefore, uh, one would say in our lineage of theology that because God knew who would trust in him, because God knew who would believe in him, before the very foundations of the world, he is calling them the chosen ones. But think about this. Think about it in a different manner. Because I would hate that God would, uh, that God would rely on me and my choice to choose me. <laughs> oh boy. Right? That's why it goes on and talks about God's great mercy, right? And his great grace. But not only that, God knows who I'm going to reach. God knows who I'm going to speak to. God knows who, uh, what country I may find myself in sharing his love with. And therefore, God knows those who I will be able to reach in my life. God knows who, those who you will be able to reach. He knows the ones that work beside you. He knows the ones that live beside you. He knows all about them. And therefore, those who you reach, God has chosen. I'm glad God chose me. I'm glad God chose you, right? By the foreknowledge of God, in sanctification of the Spirit, and, and for obedience and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. So, therefore, we see the work of the Holy Spirit here. We see the work of Christ here. We see the work that God, before the foundations of the world, Christ Jesus was the Lamb slain, right, for each one of us. And the Holy Spirit's the one that sanctifies us, prepares us, sets us apart for the work of God. Uh, this word for obedience, another version uh, kind of separates that because we, are, uh, we have been called by God, chosen by God. We have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit for the obedience of Christ, to obey Christ because of the sprinkling. Uh, we have been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, we've been covered. We have now access to the Holy of Holies through the veil of his flesh that we can go in to the Holy of Holies. He made a way where there was no way. Amen? So we see this work of God right here for each one of us. It goes on and says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Peace and grace in its fullness to you. Now, here Peter is actually putting together two greetings. He's putting together the formal greeting of the Greeks, which would be, uh, which would be the grace to you. And then he's putting together that of the uh, Hebrews, 
peace to you. So, and then he's uh, putting them together and he says, to their fullness, may they be multiplied to you. Amen. I, I'm going to move a little quicker because I, I, I got to get somewhere. Is that all right? I'll be all right. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. That's good stuff right there. To a living hope. I love that song that we sang earlier talking about our faith, our hope. Come on. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When I look at this uh, scripture, the abundant mercy. You know, there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. Grace is giving me what I didn't deserve. It could be very similar, but they're different. And because of God's abundant mercy, I don't know about where your life went and how you, uh, your journey came about in Christ Jesus, but I know what I deserved. I know the pain that I caused not only to the kingdom of God, but to the people of God, to my family, my, my mom and dad, a whole lot of pain. And God's mercy was so abundant. I deserved three different times I was in uh, situations where I should have been killed, but God's mercy kept me from those moments. His great mercy loved me. And it says, uh, begot us again. Another, another version says born again. But really it's, it's different because it it's, it's really goes back to the, the 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. For we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So in other words, God has did a creative work in us again. In other words, he's taken this substance that was marred uh, by the enemy who has been marred and, and, and he's, we're, the pot, we're the clay in the potter's hand and he has recreated us into something new. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. He has begot us again. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I'm no longer the, the image of the past. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer looked at of all my mistakes, of all my brokenness, of all the sin that I committed. I am now in Christ Jesus, a new creature. Somebody says, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Aren't you glad God looks at you as something new? Aren't you glad that God's willing to take your brokenness? He's willing to take all of your past. Somebody says, somebody, some people get so ashamed of their past because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to walk in, the shame and guilt and the brokenness of your past. He wants you to walk in the brokenness of the choices that you've made in the past. But when you recognize that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he takes every bit of it. The brokenness, the good, the bad, the ugly. And he's able to recreate. He's able to put a new life in you. His life shining through you. Come on. That's good right there. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. A living hope. The thing is, is that a lot of hope dies when we only look at the cross. Too many times our hope is based on yesterday experience. Our hope is based on what mom and daddy did in their life. You know, going to this, this uh, family reunion, you know, Kim's grandmother will be 101 next Friday. She's the, she's the uh, generation, or her parents are the generation that started this family reunion. And, and uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of being in the family now for 28 years. And, and to think that these godly folks, one by one, have passed away. Her siblings, she's the last one of her siblings. And so... It used to be 28 years ago, there was 100 plus people at this big event. But now, as the matriarchs and patriarchs have passed away, the generations, the, I say the branches are diminishing from the tree. It's not that they've diminished, they've just grown a, apart. 
But how often in our faith lineage have we trusted in the matriarch and the patriarch of our family to be the ones who give stability to our spiritual walk? Or the ones that we go to and call on when we have troubles? Or it's, it's grandma who we go and sit down with that, that we're willing to allow them to speak into us the things that we w- wouldn't let mom and daddy say, right? And how often do we put our faith in what they've done, but yet what this is saying is, is that we have a, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus, just as Jesus rose from the dead, a living being Walking on earth, it is historic, not just a religious thing, it is historical fact that Jesus walked on the earth after his resurrection, demonstrated himself to over 500 people. We, so we have a living hope, and it was, it was in that that they saw him rise up into the heavens. Why stand you here gazing? This is what he said to them. So therefore, we have a hope that just as he rose from the dead, just as he, uh, just as he ascended into the heavens, that his word declares, I will come back. Yes, See, the, the thing is, is that because time has passed, because uh, seasons have gone along and people have come and gone in life, sometimes we lose sight of that Jesus said, I will come back. And if we lose sight of the, 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 the promise of God that Jesus Christ will come back, we lose sight of why are we living this life? Because we have an eternal hope in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, right? That when we lay this life down, when everything else has ceased, when, when everything else, the last breath is taken, it won't be my last breath. It will just be my transition into a new life in Christ Jesus. It will be that moment when I'm absent from the body and present in the Lord's, <laughs> come on, amen? amen? Praise God. Praise God. So he's living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Somebody say inheritance. Look, I'm not getting much from my mom and dad. I don't know about y'all. They broke. Greg, you broke too, ain't you? Kids ain't, kids ain't getting nothing. I, I, told, I told my mom, Mom, what little you have left, you might as well go and enjoy it. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes our mentality is what we will get, inheritance. But, look, we recognize that economically, those things can slip away very rapidly, right? We recognize that banks come and go, material things come and go, and and it, it just, it just it's not something you can rely on. But we have an inheritance that is incorruptible. In other words, it's not perishable. It's undefiled. In other words, it's not messed up by any uh, thought or imagination of mankind. It is undefiled. It, is, it does not fade away. In other words, when it's put in the bank... If the stock market rises or falls, it's not dependent on what this world happens. It will not fade away. It will always, always, forever be there, reserved for you in heaven. No wonder the Word of God tells us to not lay up our treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt, but lay your treasures up in heaven, right? Because... Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I don't know about you, but I want to know that I know that one of these days when I walk the streets of gold with my Savior, with my Lord, that I have not depended on the world's abundance, but I have trusted in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to know that he will lead me, he will guide me through every single battle, through every trial that I face. Amen. Amen. And to think this, this is This is great. I don't know what version of the Bible you use. I'm using New King James. It says, who are kept. Say that word, kept. 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 Hmm. 
by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last days. Kept. That word kept gives the idea of a military garrison. So the inheritance that God has for you is fortified by the power of God. You know, maybe that's minimal to you, but when I think of the power of God, I think of the words of God that were spoken at creation, and as his spoken word went forth, creation took place, right? Let there be light, and boom, there was light. That the creative power of God, the voice of God, the power of God, the dunamis, the dynamite power of God is protecting the heritage. But not only is he protecting the heritage that he has for you, but he's protecting you. That's good right there. Amen. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. Now, when I think of faith, I'm reminded that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews chapter 11, 1. The evidence of things not seen. I don't see these things materializing at this moment. But I've been given a peace of God through faith to know that he has that in store for me. Amen? <laughs> I got to go on. I got to go all right, <clears throat> through faith. So in other words, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, uh, he has kept this because I have had faith in him. Amen? He's reserved that for me in heaven because I'm walking in him, because I'm trusting in him. Trusting, fully trusting in the Savior's love. Come on, right? So y'all didn't join in with me there. Six, verse six. In this you greatly rejoice, that now for, now look, don't get discouraged. That now for a little while, say little while. A little while. If need be. I don't know about you, but I must have had some needs in my life. If need be, you have been grieved. Uh, Another word for that could be distressed by various trials. The word various also could be colorful. (laughs) Some of y'all laugh, right? You've had some colorful trials in your life? Mm Mm-hmm. To think that this, that, that we can greatly rejoice in what God has set for us, even though we may go through some trials. I mean, when you look at the Word of God, John 16, 33, if you'll put that up there for me. Yeah. These things I've spoken to you that in, in me you may have peace. Oh. In the world, you will have tribulation. In other words, look at this. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We may face things the way that Peter put it, if need be. I don't know about you, but without trials, we are not shaped and formed. It's kind of like the word says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You ever been with someone in your life that feels like sandpaper? Yeah. But if you would ask God, God, what are you teaching me during this morning? What is it that I need to let go of? What is it that I need to uh, disperse of because it is hindering my walk with you? And, and, And so, therefore, in this world, you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. I mean, even 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are overcomers because of who we have in us on our side. Though we may go through trials, we are not on 
on these trials by ourselves, Jesus Christ himself. We are yoked together with him, and his burden is easy, right? And his yoke is, so therefore, if we're with him, yoked together with him, we know that we will go through them, but he is with us through this journey. We are not alone, and, and in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. Amen? 1 John 5 and 4 says that if we are born of God, then we are overcomers, right? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Amen. Y'all quiet this morning. Y'all didn't have y'all's Dunkin' Donut or whatever? Y'all know Maryville runs on Dunkin'. <laughs> Verse 7 says, I guess I got to turn the page. Verse 7. <laughs> Verse 7 says that the genuineness. You ever had phony people? Yeah. Fakes. Another word for that could be hypocrite. Right? I got a little tight then, didn't I? That the genuineness of your faith. Now, I need us to understand this. God does not tempt us. The Bible even says, let no man say that he's tempted of God. God doesn't tempt us. But we live in a world that is full of temptation. And therefore, there are times when we walk through temptation that God allows us to, to walk through those situations. I mean, he told Israel that he allowed them to be tested, right? So that they would recognize that their shoes didn't wear out. That he provided food. He wanted them to trust him. Sometimes we go through testing and we're just about through the testing moments when we, when we say, I'm too tired of this, I'm giving up. And it's just that God is wanting to recognize the genuineness of our faith. Are you genuine? Do you trust him? When things are good, it's easy to trust God. When you're walking on the, the, the high mountains, everything's beautiful. But when you're in your valley, that's why David could declare, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For why? Because thou art with me. Right? So we have to understand that though we are in these moments of struggle, though we are in these momentary times of various types of trials, God is with us, and it is to see the genuineness of our faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I hope that our faith is, is that which honors and glorifies and gives praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? We need to have faith and not the, what is that, Michael, somebody? Got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Oh, not that one. Got to have faith. I just hit one generation, lost the rest of them. <laughs> Verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, though, you, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with him inex, with inexpressible and full of glory. Rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That word inexpressible, this is the only place that's used in the Bible. It's, it's that moment that you're so excited that there's no words to say. It's, it's that moment that the grandbaby's born, right? Hint, hint. Uh, it's that grandbaby's born and, and just like, it's my baby. We got a long way to go. <laughs> but to think of how amazing the faith that we've been given the hope that we have is so, is so amazing. The, it's the hope that allows us to be able to walk through these trials because we know that this is not our end. We know there's something greater that God has. There's something more amazing that God is working in us, working through us. And it's so awesome that we, 
that we, with, without an ability to express it, are so joyous on the inside. It's, when it's, it's that moment when people look at you and you're going through some of the most horrendous times in your life and they're looking at you like, why are you so happy? Right? It's that moment when people are looking at you like, why are you smiling? That's not, that's not fun. That can't be happy. That can't be rejoicing. Yes, because I know that these momentary trials are working in me something bigger than I don't even understand it. I just know that if it's going to be this bad, it's going to be that good. Come on, somebody. If it's going to be that hard, it's getting ready to be really good because God's got something for me. I don't understand it, but I know that if it's this bad, whoo, come on. It's just about to get exciting around here. Amen? Hallelujah. For some of you guys, it's just about to get exciting. <laughs> Amen. I'm closing. I was going to finish this chapter, but nope, not today. Not today. To think that this salvation is so anticipated. If you look at chapter, uh, verse 9 through, I think it's verse 12, 12. Well, verse 9 says, receiving the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. And, and then it goes into the prophets and those who have gone on before who searched. It says, searching, verse, verse 10, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed. What was it revealed? It was revealed that it wasn't for their time. It was for you. I mean, these, I mean, you look, 3,000 years of prophesying, 3,000 years of hearing, all the way back into Genesis 3.15, where they hear of the promise of God that he will crush the skull of Satan. It might bruise his heel, but he will crush the head of the enemy. And so all these promises, all these prophecies are coming about. They've diligently searched. They've been looking for this moment. And here we are the recipients of the moment that God's son, Jesus Christ, came to the earth, walked on the earth, faced what we faced, sacrificed himself on the cross of Calvary, rose on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. That's the Christ Jesus that they were looking for, that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I'm ending with this. Verse 13. Therefore, because of this great salvation we have, can I tell you the number one battlefield that you will face is the mind. You can say, well, I'm not confused. You can be so deceived that you think you're not confused. That's why the Word of God says over and over again, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. No wonder the first commandment that Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Because if we lose sight and we give place to the enemy, the mind becomes the strongest battleground for depression, for confusion, for doubt, for fear. I mean, that's what that's the, the mind game of the enemy is to create a space in you that would make you think God's not real, to make you think God's not alive, to make you think that God doesn't care, to make you think that God is not available to you. That's the lie of the enemy. To make you think that you are something that you're not. And yet God is saying, guard your mind. 
Watch your mind. Be sober. In other words, don't get intoxicated by the enemy's lies. Be vigilant. Keep your eyes not wavering, but keep them on Christ Jesus. I love this where it says this. It says, and rest your hope. Man. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, drive your car up in hope and park it in Jesus. Right? Rest your hope. Find that place of peace in the hope of God. And do not let your mind go from the left or the right, but keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. That's the word of God. The enemy wants you to be distracted. I was sitting there walking two nights ago, talking to a second cousin three times removed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All that stuff's crazy. But here's a young lady who's struggling. I'm sitting here talking with her and her husband. Had the privilege of just sharing the love of Jesus with them for a moment. And, and I said, you know, the biggest struggle we have because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We've learned that, right? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. You can look at the perpetrator. You can look at the person who has hurt, harmed, or said things to you. But in the end of this battle, we're not fighting against them. We're fighting against a spiritual enemy that has broken people. And broken people break people. So when we turn our eyes to Jesus, we begin to look through the lens of Christ and we see the people that have hurt us. We see the people that we're carrying unforgiveness for. We see the people that we're bitter because of. We see the ones that we're triggered because of those who have hurt us. And we're able to look across that, that, that gap and say, you know what? Jesus died on the cross for them just as much as he died on the cross for me. And if Jesus is able to love them in their deepest sin, as Romans 5, 8 tells us, that while we were still in sin, Christ died for us. If he's willing to love them in the depths of their sin, then I need to love them because he loved me. And so I don't look at them as the perpetrator, as the one who hurt me, as the one who did this to me or that to me, I look at them as the broken person and say, Lord, as you love them, I love them. And Lord, just as you have forgiven me, I forgive them. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, that if not me, someone will be able to plant the seeds of life into them that you can water it and they can grow. And that they too will one day stand around the throne room of God and worship just as I hope to stand around the throne room of God and worship. Oh, oh, oh we've got to guard our mind, folks. So I, I sit there and talk to this young lady and she said, how do you do that? Oh, come on. That's the question we all have. We talk about before you war, you got to submit. How do you do that? What does that look like? And I said, so thankful that you ask. Romans chapter 12, 1. I beseech you, I beg you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's your reasonable act of service or your extent of your worship. And then it goes on. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Y'all need to hear that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, right, by the renewing of your mind. Now, my brother-in-law 
has been preaching a series for several months now. And it's, he's been preaching on the, the miracle of the transformed mind. And we had the privilege of talking this week. Look, we, we renew our mind through reading the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Know the truth, the Word of truth. Know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If we want to see our mind transformed, that we are not pushed around by every wind of doctrine, that we're not led by the feelings that we feel. How many know that sometimes we don't feel like how we should feel? If I'm led by feelings, there's sometimes that I'm a 25-year-old model, I'm looking good. But there's sometimes I feel like an 85-year-old guy that's on his last leg just about to slip on the banana, you know what I'm saying? I can't go by my feelings. I can't go by my emotions. I have to go by the truth. And when the truth speaks life into me, I have life forevermore. We have a great salvation. We have a hope that is eternal. We have a faith that is enduring. We're kept by Him, by His power in faith. When we walk in Him, we are more than overcomers. Today, I don't know, maybe you're going through a trial right now that seems overwhelming. But I'm asking you, would you be willing to gird up the loins of your mind? I know that sounds weird, right? Sounds weird. Put a girdle on your brain, you know what I'm saying? Would you be willing to put in focus the things that are important? And that is Jesus Christ. Because it is Him who leads us. It is Him who defines us. It is Him that will be able to break the back of the enemy off your family. Destroy the devourer off of you and your family. This morning, you see the pastor... I need to stand in this morning. I need prayer. I'm in a battle and I need prayer this morning. Would you be willing to come and let's pray with you? Would you be willing to say, let's, let's, I want somebody to join with me and believe? Come on, that's right. Anyone else? Don't trip her, Sean. She's trying to get up here. Anyone else? I'm in, a, I'm in the, the battle of my life right now. And I need help. I want, to, I want somebody to agree with me. Come on. Anyone else? I don't know what the next step is, but I'm trusting God to lead me on this journey. Come on. My kids are going through something, and I don't understand it, but I'm standing in the gap for my kids. I'm trusting the Lord that He will step in. Come on. Anyone else? We're together on this thing. We're not by ourselves. That's where the enemy wants you to be, is by yourself. To be alone, to think you are by yourself on this journey, but you're not alone. The Lord is with you. He's journeying with you. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? I'm going to ask some, some of you prayer warriors, if you will, pastors, brothers and sisters in Christ, would you come and join me in praying for these? We're believing together. We're believing together that God is going to do the miraculous. He's the one that can miraculously transform our mind. I don't know about you. I know where I came from. I know the battles that I faced. I know the, the torment that I went through for years, even even in my Christian life until I totally surrendered it to Jesus Christ and then a transformation took place something beyond my abilities the renewing of my mind 
God's able to do that. Amen. Amen. We believing together? We ready? Some of you guys want to come up in front, in front of these guys if you want to. Let's believe. Father, we thank you, Jesus, that we are yours, that we've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're believing for sons. We're believing that you're going to intervene. We're believing that you're going to break the curse of the enemy. Your word says that you will soon crush Satan under our feet. And Lord, I'm believing, God, that you're going to minister powerfully, Lord, that you're going to direct, that your anointing is going to rest on us, Lord Jesus, and we're going to stand in the gap. We're going to be intercessors, Lord, believing, Father, for your work to be done, God, believing, God, that, that you are more than able to do far above what, my, what we may ask or think, God. Lord, we're believing, Lord Jesus. We're agreeing, Lord Jesus, your work to be done, your name to be proclaimed, God. We thank you, Jesus that your mercy is made new every morning. We thank you, God, that your grace is sufficient, Lord Jesus. God, have your way, Lord Jesus. It is surrender to you, Jesus. It is surrender to you, Jesus.
God's hand to be on every single one of you guys. Looking forward to seeing and hearing the testimonies of God's breakthrough in your life. In God amazing. Amen. Amen. Love you guys so much. So thankful to be your pastor. So thankful that you allow me uh, and you put up with me and you let me be a part of this wonderful family. You guys are amazing and I'm so thankful for you guys. Amen. Amen. I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you. And may he give you peace. I pray the favor of God over you. Amen. I pray that he expands your territory, right? And that he causes you blessings and not harm. Amen. Go enjoy. After having all this food the last few days at my uh, uh, family reunion, my uh, belly button is licking my backbone. It is time to eat. Go enjoy, go enjoy your beautiful day. Remember, uh, come and get one of these boxes. We'd love for each one of you to pack one of those for uh, Operation Christmas Child. Also, remember, the last Wednesday of this month, we're going to be meeting at the park. The information is on our website. It's also uh, in the bulletin. But we would love for you to join us. If, if you can let us know how many are going, we want to make sure we have plenty of food. We're going to cook hot dogs and hamburgers at the park. We're going to have uh, a little bit of singing at the park. We're going to give a message. Who knows, this might become an outreach opportunity to touch people who pass by to see that our family loves each other and that they want to be a part of what a wonderful family we are. So remember that. Put that in your date. Remember, even I, I know that we have about... 80-ish, 70-ish, 80-ish attend on Wednesday night. Even if you're not a regular attender on Wednesday night, we want you to come. You're still a part of the family. I love to see 300 show up. Come on, right? Let's have a wonderful time on the last Wednesday night of this month. All right? I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. There's a serve team meeting right after this. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful afternoon. <laughs>